Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics related to the Bible. My name is Pete Vecchi. I'm an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm joined today with Pastor Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. And I'm joined by Pastor Don McDonald, also known as PMAC or Pastor Mac. He is the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. And we are going to discuss a topic that we have called, at least at this time, we're calling it culture and church. Do they fit? And I think that we would all be pretty, um, how do I want to say, in agreement that there are certain things in our culture today, especially today, that do not necessarily fit with church culture. At the same time, we are dealing with the fact that culture has been changing throughout uh, the history of the world. I mean, things change and and things adapt. And I think we sometimes need to get a question as to what is sinful, what isn't sinful, what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable. You know, one of the things I've been reading about in my own personal devotions just this past couple of days, uh, it brought me to Romans 14, where it talks about um, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. The bottom line of that is saying, um, that to his own master, each person will stand or fall, and God is able to make him stand. Um, there are matters that are disputable. I think also there would be probably matters that we concern that we consider indisputable. So um, I'm not exactly sure which way we're heading with this today, but the three of us thought this might be a good topic to take on. So I'm going to throw it out to uh, one or both of you guys to say, well, what do you think about this idea of do culture and church fit? I think the question that I always ask after being in ministry almost 40 years is when we look at culture, what culture draws us closer to Jesus and what culture takes us away from Jesus? You know, I, I ask that question constantly and I I find the frustration that really it used to be church determined culture, but now culture is determining church to a point. And, and I find that really frustrating. I know, Josh, you, you shared with us uh, a little bit about a mega church and what they're doing to really attract people into the life of the church to hear Jesus. I don't know if I'm comfortable with all that, but uh, that's sort of where I'm sitting with it is, you know, if, if it's something that draws into Jesus, yeah, good. But if it's something that could be ultimately distracting, then we really need to examine it and ask, is it something that builds and edifies, or is it something that takes us away from Jesus? I don't know. What do you think, Josh? I think that's great. Show over. Um, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, there's. I over the years, there's been a lot of really successful church movements, and they send to, or they seem to, kind of key in on certain cultural phenomenon of the time. Um, I think back to one that was really impactful in my life was the seeker church movement. 
Um, there's some other ones that kind of, uh, you know, uh, take from things that are going on in culture, postmodernism, uh, a bunch of other things, and they they hit in such a way that they're really successful. But I got to be honest, I can't think of many of those that have in the long term actually been good for the church. Um, Seeker sensitive movement was really good for 10, 15 years. And then today, I think a lot of the problems we're facing today come from that specific movement. Um, and so I, I think we're we're obsessed with hot topics. We're obsessed with, you know, these hot takes and these different takes and all. And one of the things that that got me this week is there's a church, I think uh, Pete goes to it uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, he, he doesn't, but uh, there's a, a, a very large church in Cincinnati, Ohio, that is doing some, it, it seems like they're really effective at reaching people. I, I'm sure they've got some great things going on, some good ministries, but uh, for whatever re reason, every uh, Super Bowl, they, they do some things that get a lot of national, national attention, and I think for the wrong reasons. They don't, I don't know that they agree. Uh, a couple of years ago, one of the female pastors on staff, uh, lined up and kicked a Bible about, it looked like about 40 or 50 feet across the stage, like you would kick a football. And I think that was supposed to show, hey, this battle between the pastors and all. Um, this year, the one of the pastors uh, rode in on a wrecking ball to the tune of Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball, which is a very anti-religion. Uh, it's hard to find it's hard to find the Christness in a song where the video is a naked woman swinging on a wrecking ball. Um, and, and their attitude to being called out on it is, well, it works for us. Don't worry about what we're doing for Jesus, anything short of sin. But, but the thing is, and especially with a lot of big churches or big movements, is the church is not a single church. The church is actually every church. And, where one church does something that that maybe they think is okay, it actually affects other Christians as well. And so we have to always be careful when we embrace when we get kind of tuned into our own little focuses and all and, and and not forget the fact that we're part of a great movement that really should be focused on Jesus that is true yesterday, today, and forever, and what he calls us to, the life he calls us to yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to just be aware that the way we use our culture for the church maybe doesn't cause a lot of people in years or cause our own children to flee the church, which is, I think, part of what's happening because of the seeker-sensitive movement or because of Rob Bell and his social justice stuff. or you know. And so I, there's a reason that our faith is, is set around a book that is as much as, what, 3,200 years old, parts of it? It's timeless. <laughs> so, so you know, let, let's let's adapt some of the things to work with our culture in some way. Um, but let's remember that we serve a God who gave us the answer a long time ago. I, I, I think, Josh, you touched on um, because in my 30 years of ministry here at Danforth next May, um, I've I've always maintained that there are, there's many ways to do church as long as we accept that we're one body, and that has not been well accepted because you know uh, you're not doing the secret sensitive movement, you're not doing this movement, 
I said, no, we, we do what God gifts us to do. You know, I, I keep looking over First uh, Corinthians 12, uh, starting, starting, at 12, starting at verse 12, says there is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized into one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. Uh, it didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part, but it has many parts. And I'll stop reading there at verse 14. And, and I think the frustration is, you know, as we have churches that you've just described using the cultural media to proclaim Christ, we need to have the same respect the other way that we who are maintaining history and seeing the prevalence and the holiness of scripture should be honored as well you know there is that 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 tension um because i'm not against and i've said it multiple times i'm not against striving to be all things when it comes to the presentation of the gospel what i am against is is when it takes you away from jesus and that you need to be asking that question. You know, um, I agree with you 110%. When Secret Sensitive came out, we've ended up with too many light Christians that haven't gotten deeper into the word. I think some of the readings I've had on that have said that. And there's an example of culture was determining what the church was doing. And, and I think in that way, we got ourselves confused in in that process of yeah. where where we are as a church. I I strive, and I'm an old man. I know that. Uh, I I strive to still have scripture front and foremost. I strive to have people read responsibly at the service because sometimes that's the only time that they'll read scriptures when they're reading it responsibly. If we're honest, um, so. It's one of those things that does culture and church fit? In one breath, I'm going to say no. But in another breath, I'm going to say yes, when we as a church see the value of proclaiming Christ and that message through cultural mediums. I.e., I always will go back, and I remember it like it was a lesson yesterday in church history. Billy Graham was probably one of the most controversial figures in his time for the use of television. No mm -hmm. one before his time had used television as a means to proclaim the gospel. So there's a little bit of church culture. You know, Billy Graham made those two dance quite well. Yeah. I I, I would say part of the seeker sensitive movement is the, part of the, the, the curse of it has been to kind of accelerate the growth of consumer Christianity um, the, the other thing I would just point out is if it weren't for trying to please and meet and, and blend in with our culture, uh, the United Methodists would have never had been so gung ho on affirmation. Um, we wouldn't be so gung ho on this Christian nationalist defense people are doing right now. And we wouldn't be so gung ho on things that, that, you know, ha have, have always been for 2000 years plus have been accepted as orthodox teaching of the church. And now because we are so moved by our culture and we can't stand being out of step with our culture, 
Um, we're literally throwing off the word of God to embrace uh, the culture, in a sense. Um, and so, I, 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 the Christian message needs to work in our culture, but it doesn't work by changing to our culture. Um, and as a matter of fact, I think more than not, God would save us from our culture rather than save us in our culture. Um, and, and while he can save us in our culture, I don't think that Christians can continue to live the same way everyone else does with the added thing of, oh, I'm also a Christian. Because I can't think of a culture apart from the church culture that is God-honoring. Um, you know, if you're in Hollywood, it's impossible to to run with the normal circles, to do the normal movies, uh, to 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 go to the normal parties and all this stuff, and also be God honoring. It it just doesn't seem to work, and it takes so many people out of the church. Uh, the same is true in business. Uh, it's impossible to be in business and run in the same way and do all the same thing everyone else does. And also be God honoring. So God wants to save you from the cutthroat, the the dad is always gone, uh, the the affairs all happen, the people talk and use a certain language, all that stuff. God wants to save you from that culture. Now he may leave you in the same job, um, but you know, let's be honest. Um, there's nothing in the world that can just be used. To build the kingdom, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that right. I, I don't mean that we can't use things from our culture to attract people, but embracing things from our culture never builds the kingdom. I, I don't, I don't think um, the kingdom is its own thing, and it's apart from whatever the world is building. I hear what you're saying, and I'm not uh, in in disagreement. I think at the same time, what we're dealing with today, when I say today, I mean in this day and age, is the fact that there are bits and pieces of this culture that are probably in some ways related to the way things were as, for instance, when the Roman Empire was in its decline. Um, there are probably things going on today, and definitely things going on today, that no other uh, generation in history has had to face um, you know, you talk about how um, Billy Graham, for instance, Don, when you mentioned him using television, well, what are we using? We're using Internet. You know, nobody else could use Internet before, you know, this generation. Um, Josh, you said something earlier about keeping the main focus on Jesus. And I, and I agree with that 100 percent. I, I had a mentor who used to say that and he would say it over and over. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and to me, what seems to be happening so often is that you get somebody who gets on a, a kick, if you want to call it that. It's just like, hey, this is an important idea. And many, many times they are important ideas. But then they start to focus on that idea and it takes them further and further away. You mentioned the secret sensitive movement. I don't think that there's a whole lot wrong in and of itself being um, secret sensitive. But when you take it to the extreme then you start having an issue. I've noticed that throughout history, there often tends to be what I call a pendulum effect. 
something goes too far one way and then we go back and we try to correct it and then we overcorrect and we keep trying to find that middle and it's it's very difficult to do but the bottom line is we need Jesus we need to have him lead and guide what we what we um do i mentioned romans 14 at the very beginning of, of today's uh episode that not passing judgment on disputable matters there's also first timothy 4 4 where where paul says that um everything god created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is consecrated by the word of god and prayer now i'm sure that you could get into some um some things that actually are good and you get into the discussion of well what has god created and what has humans created things like that but still i i, I don't know that we have an answer to say, how do these two fit? I think what happens is we need to keep Jesus as the center and keep focusing on Jesus as the center and realize that we can have, for the best of reasons, we can get ourselves out in, in left field somewhere or in right field somewhere. I don't want to make this political, okay? So um, that's just kind of how I, how I see it right now. I think... You know, when we began the, the title, Culture and Church, Do They Fit? In one breath, I think all three of us are saying, no, it doesn't. But in another breath, we're understanding that we need to, as culture evolves, we need to use the different ways of communication that are brought to us, which is where the fit comes, so that we can proclaim the gospel. I mean, start with the printing press. The Reformation was born through the printing press. Then we go to, you know, the internet and radio and all the above, that in that way, the church and culture fit by the way that communication takes place. Um, but I'm sort of sitting with Josh in the light of, where do we draw the line when it comes to things that should be holy in the churches versus unholy in the church? And I think that's a struggle that many of us have. And I, I think, you know, um, it, it, I, I'm finding myself, you know, we're, we're looking in terms of gospel proclamation here at Danforth Church this summer, we'll probably host some form of a car show around the building. We got a lot of room. And in one breath, I'm like, okay, is this something that is holy? Is this something that is special? And then, you know, the people, as we talk about, said, but how can we show people that we are a open church willing to work with you and to show how open we are? if we don't find ways to connect in with IE, the car community and, and sponsoring something like that. Um, and of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what I'll do is because our carillon has Bluetooth, you know, off Christian music, probably in the background, we'll probably have a couple of venues, you know, IE, you know, face painting for kids and things like that, that hopefully will have, you know, a Christian message sort of delivered gently um, so as we're using the car show for a way of drawing people in, hopefully we'll have a, a spot of, hey, this is who we are as a church. So we're a Bible church. 
um, we're a church of grace, we're a church that wants to reach out to you if you're hurting, that we use that, for no better word, the medium of the car show to connect into more people. So, you know, I'm, I, we as a consistory slash console, we, we struggled almost for an hour on that conversation because we do want to be holy, we do want to be reverent, but we also want to reach out and create avenues of connectivity into the life of the church. I don't think that too many. Pete, you're muted. There you go. Yeah, I know. I was having trouble. It wasn't clicking. I was trying to unmute and it wasn't. Um, I don't think that we have too many people who are going to complain too much about a car show. I mean, there are some people who are very narrow. I remember this This just came into my mind. I remember one time I was in, in a church building. I was not the pastor. I was part of the congregation. And they're going to have a um, fellowship dinner afterwards. And the and the um, fellowship hall, for whatever reason, the furnace wasn't working. And it was a cold night. And they're trying to get it heated, but it wasn't working. And I looked to the pastor and I says, well, you know what they say? Many are cold, but few are frozen. And, you know, some people thought that was funny. But there was one man who was visiting. He, he was an older man. He had a suit and tie on. He looked at me and says, young man, that's many are called and few are chosen. So it's kind of like, you know, there are some who are very, very, very strict. Um, and, and some people have humor and don't appreciate you butchering just general humor with that. Yeah, yeah, I understand that too. <laughs> but the point that I'm getting at is there are some people who find that as unholy. Um, what I find unholy are things such as, uh, you know, drag shows in a church or or things like that. You know, those those go way beyond the pale, if you ask me. Um, you mentioned the car show, Don. Uh, there's a church here in our town where um, one of their big reasons that they have reached so many people for Christ is they've done a car show for well over a decade. Um, it's gotten to be very, very uh, well known. They have a lot of a lot of uh, land. They do a car show once a year, and they have reached people for Christ through that car show. Um, you know, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it talks against cars. I do see about where it talks against uh, things such as homosexual behavior and those kinds of things. And that's the kind of stuff where, where I would draw the line to say God does not use those things to to um, have us become seeker sensitive. Now, again, you get into the whole question of do you love the person? Absolutely. But you do not condone what they're doing. So well, let me um, let me ask you, let me ask you this. What's the yeah. difference between when your church does? We used to have a very big car show in Vandalia in Ohio. Um What's the difference between when your church does a car show and the Lions Club or whoever else does a car show? Because I, 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 and I'm not pushing back because I think the car show was great for us. I, I don't think it's uniquely a church thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's something we offer that our culture doesn't. So if it's a way to get, I mean, I, I, my concern would just be that you don't pretend that you're doing something you're not. Well, and then, I, I would, and then yeah. also that you've redeemed the experience somehow, um, I guess, unless the whole point is some people send out flyers into a neighborhood. Some people, some churches have a car show that attracts people. If that's the whole point, just as long, I guess, as your main thing doesn't become, hey, we're a car show church, <laughs> you well, know, because yeah. a million other organizations can do a car show, but we, 
we and, and we're not an evangelistic church. That's not really our number one focus. Our focus is worship um, as a church. And, and I think evangelism is another point of what we do. It's following in Jesus and being discipled and calling people into discipleship. Um, I, some, sometimes I just wonder, cause we do that. We have to do the same thing too. We, uh, we have a, a very big, uh, trunk or treat kind of thing around Halloween. Some people don't like it cause it's around Halloween. I, I like it because it's a way to get the people in the neighborhood to come to the church to see that we're non-threatening, that we care about their family. But the ultimate goal is not to get them to come to our trunk or treat because the, the, whatever the mall does a trunk or treat, the, the dentist office does a trunk or treat. We, we don't want to just be another in a line of, of events that families go to. We're unique because we are a church. We're unique because Jesus is, is part of, you know, is, is the focus of what we do here. Um, so and and I think Josh, the the fitting of culture and church at that point is is that why do we do trunk or treat? It's so that we can keep our kids safe. And it, and and in the environment of the church and the parking lot with trunk and treat, we are showing, hey, the church is a place where you can keep your kids safe. The church is a place, and right there, Pete, is where culture and church do fit. They're, they're doing the same mission at that place, you know, and I think that's to me where, you know, I, I think as we look over the car show for us, it's more how can we connect in to create an environment of celebration for, you know, Sunday afternoon. And I think that's where culture and church can fit together. I'm totally with you, Pete, on the reality of my measurement for what is holy and unholy will always be scripture. I will always go back to scripture and say, where are the places where we're taking ourselves away from scripture in our walk? You know, I think Josh, you raised the flag about, you know, the person kicking the Bible 40 yards I think there's a part of me that has a hard time with that because God's word is something we're supposed to revere. God's word is something that's supposed to be holy. God's word is, you know, we could go through the list. Um, so, yeah, that raises flags of concern um, just because how do we honor God as we walk through his word and not kick through his word, you know, if, if we can be a cheap pun. Um, so, yeah, I, I see that dance you know, going on all the time in that front. Um, so that's sort of some of my thinking on it. Yeah, well, and I mean, part of what I'm getting at too is, you know, we, just because we we partake in something that the culture also partakes in doesn't mean that we are um, trying to copy them or whatever. For instance, um, you know, I've played on church softball teams before. Well, I hope that the church softball team is a little bit different than a secular softball team. I hope that the language is a little bit. Uh, Sometimes less, they were worse. Uh, well, I know they can be, but, you know, I've seen it happen. But still, the yeah. point is, you know, I've done that kind of stuff. I've I've um, seen, you know, sporting activities is one of the things that I've been involved in. I've seen other churches take part in, as you say, car show, trunk or treat. You guys mentioned those things. One of the things that... Um, I had an associate uh, pastor one time who brought into our our um, youth group or kids church a Jello night. 
jello night once jello everything was jello outside you have jello fights you have you know bobbing for stuff through jello things like that it was just something like there's nothing in the bible that says you can't have jello you know there's nothing in the bible says don't play softball or or basketball or or whatever and sometimes you know i i go back even thinking two generations ago to where churches of the Nazarene who are very, very, very strict about certain things would have bowling leagues, you know, and, and I remember hearing not just church of the Nazarene, but I, I believe it was a Baptist church in the Dayton area. One time was, um, was talking about this on, on radio ads probably 20 or 30 years ago saying that the nights that they go into the bowling alley, they don't allow smoking or drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, that doesn't mean just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you can't have activities. I think the question is what kind of activities and what, where, where do you, where do you draw that line? And I think where we've said so far, I think all three of us have kind of said it in our own way is we draw it with what the Bible says and we draw it with, you know, we're getting our, our directions from the Bible. Um, and that's where our, that's where we do and don't fit with our culture. And hopefully if we do have something as Josh, you know, you and I were joking. Sometimes, yeah, it can get a little bit um, testy out there on a sporting event. I, I'm not saying it can't. It doesn't mean that we're that we're all perfect, but at least hopefully we hold up. We try to hold up the correct standards there. Well, you know, Pete, in Chicago, you got to play with the pillow softball. Remember that? What size yeah, was that ball? Sixteen inch softball, and it's not soft. It's very hard. I yes. don't know if people who are not from the Chicago area know about Wait, that, but softball is called sixteen softball. inch. 16 inch softball with no gloves 16 inch around yes yeah, yes inch okay. and, uh, uh, yeah and and and, the, and and for the record the reason it was that big is by the time they got to the end of the game they couldn't see the ball anymore <laughs> yeah they weren't lit lit fields yeah. so standard <laughs> softball that you see like in college sports right now is about is 12 inch okay 16 okay. inch is the size and they play it without gloves uh that's just that you just do it and it's very I mean, I've seen more fingers broken uh, in that than, than, than any other game. And that's a Chicago mm. area thing. It was. Mm. I, I remember that well. It was sort of like, okay, you know. And yeah, those games did get ugly sometimes. You guys are right. Yeah. I, I here, Here's my question as we're talking about culture. Um, Pete, you were talking about uh, we swing a lot like a pendulum. Is that... Is that because we get too far away from what God has for us in Scripture? I think we can. I don't think that it's necessarily intentional, but I think what No, I, I know it's not intentional. I think we're all, I think most people are trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but and that's what the, I'm the, the thought that The thought that the way I'm headed is eventually going to be needing to be corrected doesn't seem consistent with, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, I think um, what has happened when I talk about the pendulum, I think, you know, I, I hate to use the words left and right because then we start getting political. And I don't mean it in that way. But just say, you know, the the, 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 the pendulum has swung far away from the center where it's supposed to be. And in trying to get back to that center, almost invariably, we pass the center and go beyond it. That's mm. that's kind of what I'm getting at. And then we but, have to correct and go back the other way. That's I, kind of I what would I'm argue. To, to say. I I think I would argue that that's because we're reacting to something external to Scripture. And I think that could very easily be the case. Um, and again, it could be very much unintentional. 
Um, yeah. You know, we 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 can have the best of motives, but we are still sinful. Uh, we still we are still mm. not perfect. Even even the Nazarenes who are entirely sanctified may not always act exactly <laughs> perfectly. You know. I don't know. We're too busy being yeah. total, totally depraved as uh, as reformers. I don't know, Josh. I think one of the things I um one of the questions that I was addressing young in ministry was why is there so much tension in scripture? Why is there so much tension in how we bring scripture to life? You know, and and I remembered sitting with a good old Assemblies of God preacher years ago. We're having lunch. And he said, you know where God moves the best? I said, no, where? Intention. Mm. God moves. Okay. <laughs> God, I know. I'm just saying, you know, it, when we have. Our God is a clear God. In, yeah, in, well, but know. we're not as being. I, I hear you. You I know, you. we're not. And and sometimes yeah. God needs to create that tension to wake I, us I, up. I worry that a lot of the tension we have with scripture is self-inflicted. Um, I think it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and we need to ask the question as we've done the self-inflicting, why is it here? And you say, because you're not walking in scripture. Yeah. You know, that without that tension, you know, another preacher who spent most of his time preaching from the pulpit to create cognitive dissonance. You know, that good learning theory that without dissonance, without something going against something, you don't learn anything. Yeah. And he used, to, he used to practice to see which bald elder he could turn the most bright red and pour sweat. <laughs> uh, and you know, for those of you who don't see this video, I, I think Joshua wins the bald question. Um, there's this sense of, of of that tension there that, you know, as much as I hate the tension, as much as I agree with you, Josh, it's self-inflicted. We're, we're broken vessels. We deal with sin all the time that, you know, how we relate to culture. Okay. We've gone too far. We're too far away from the word. We're too far away from God. How do we get yeah. back to him? Oh, wait a minute. You know, what God wants is, you know, I'm thinking about second Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people humble themselves, and and you know and seek my face, and you know that that type of action, then God will heal heal the land. It begins with realizing how far away you've gone. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Let me let me just quote that because that's one of my favorite scriptures. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Now, we could get into another whole uh, discussion about that particular verse right there. I but actually, I think I, a lot I of used... it is because we have not been seeking God all the time. I think yeah. we, we we tend to run our own way a little bit. I, I used uh, that verse today when I was talking at a, I do a devotion at a psych facility every other week, and it was... Uh, that most of us are looking for something that we already have. And in Jesus, we have, God says, my people called by my name. Amen. So, and, and I, I think that's where we introduce tension unnecessarily is we already have everything we need in our family. Um, and somehow we fool ourselves into thinking that the world offers something that we're missing which causes us then to ask questions like, did God really say? 
um, and, and whatever else. And so I, I'm one of those, I, for the sake of fellowship, I think there's godly fellowship had at a football game. Um, I think there's godly fellowship had at a bowling alley. I think the Nazarenes were kind of weird when they wouldn't let you dance, but that was a little shot at you, Pete, because I, I know you, uh, you know, um, it's a foot function, <laughs> but, but I don't think the world offers anything that will last through the fire. Um, you know, the purification, I, I don't think, I think everything the world offers is going to melt away and will not be left in eternity. And so we have to do, we have to be really careful not to invest in things that at best may be meaningless. Um, and so when we're talking about culture and culture is generally the definition of culture, and I probably should have read this earlier, the arts, beliefs, customs, institutions, and other products of human work and thought considered as a unit, especially with regard to a particular time or a particular social group. Um, and so could it be that people in a Christian culture sing and play guitars and rock music and concerts and all that stuff? Yes. Is that done around something that is not God or God glorifying and Christian edifying? I don't think so. Um, so if there's a car show at church, at best, it can be meaningless, but also help somebody in the community be exposed to the church and maybe consider going to church. But the only lasting value is not going to be done from the car show. It's going to be done from an interaction with Jesus. So could it be you offer a car show to get somebody to meet Jesus? Sure. Jesus did all kinds of things that were, I think, a little bit selfish for the people. Like, hey, you're blind. <laughs> let me uh, Let me heal you. But the point was never to heal them. The point was never the car show. And, and the other thing we have to be careful of when we intersect with things like consumer Christianity, G.K. Chesterton, I, I really like a lot. And he said, if you attract people with a circus, you're going to have to throw a circus every week to keep them or, or something along those lines. And the truth is, there are a lot of people that come to church because you say, well, to, to use our food pantry, you have to be on our list of attendance for the week. <sighs> and the same thing about a lot of other things to to play on our softball team you have to have attended eight times in the last four months um we just have to be careful because what we offer that's going to save someone is never the softball league or the food pantry or the the car show what we offer that can save someone is only a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way we're unique from our community, from our culture or anything else. Um, so I don't know. I well, think Josh, that because I, Jesus is the only thing that'll save us. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I have, we're going to be a little bit long cause I have to tell a story. That's fine. <laughs> um, I was first here 30 years ago and I, I, I was a track man at Lions I could only run in circles. I couldn't play baseball. There was no way I was going to do football with the size Lions football team was. So I end up in right field, church softball, here at Danforth. 
And unbeknownst to me, there was a gentleman in the center field, never had attended church, said he would never be a Christian. But there were people that reached out to him in a variety of ways when he coached Little League baseball. There's connections of my people into his life. So he was invited to play softball with us. I'd never met him before, but I'm sort of zany. And the coach of our church softball league was zany. So we start speaking to each other in high-pitched voices just to have some fun. We called each other sweetie. And he's watching all this going on. He says, these people are not normal. And he met through our softball team. He decides he's got to check out these people who are so weird. So he shows up on Sunday for church. Now, this is a guy who said he'd never be in Christ. On Easter Sunday, the following year, I baptized him. Praise and the it, Lord. It began with softball. God uses many things and many things that we don't understand. And, and I think the key, and I think we've said it a couple of times, is make sure Jesus is the main thing. Make sure we make sure we we focus on our scriptures. Make sure we focus on that. But just the same way, Don, everybody is a little different. And that's why you're going to reach people who I never can, and Josh will reach people that you never can. Uh, and hopefully I'll reach people that neither one of you guys can. Amen. And it's the same with all of our all of our listeners. So does the church uh and do, does culture fit with the church let me read it this way culture and church do they fit well i guess they can but you got to sure make sure that they're that the uh <laughs> that you do it right make sure that they're, they're fitting well don't try to force uh the church to become the culture that's not going to work that's not going to work so gentlemen it's about time for us to end uh we've gone a little bit long but i hope that this has been a beneficial time for those who have been listening so i do want to thank our listeners for being here and so for Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi, and for Don McDonald, who is the pastor of Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois, this is Pete Vecchi, evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene, and I hope that you will join us for another episode next time of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.